From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, the ingrown hair of a well-kept beard of normalcy. We are your hosts, some of whom may be dealing with facial hair issues, Taylor and Chelsea. And today, Chelsea has selected to not tell me what we will be talking about. So I, I just have to, at this point, just turn it over to her because I'm out yeah. of words. That is There's, what I selected. Hard. Yeah. Words are particularly hard for us sometimes. Or easy. I feel like I'm always keeping the topic back from you these days. But I want yeah. to see, in normal fashion, if you can guess this week's topic. Here's your hint. And everyone can play along with us as well. In So long as you haven't read the title promptly of this episode. Ex- exactly. Maybe I won't give it away in the if title. If you've just, like, naturally <laughs> flowed into this episode from another episode and haven't looked at your phone since. Yeah, don't look at it. And boy, are it's, you, it's like, probably we have too a niche audience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this episode is about a type of witch was not a healer but rather has the supernatural ability to turn into possess or disguise themselves as animals aka a shapeshifter is it a skinwalker yeah you got it okay you heard it from taylor who had no idea what this episode was about That's right. This week's episode of Journey to the Fringe, we get the immense pleasure of finally talking about skinwalkers. The Navajo have some of the most interesting lore surrounding skinwalkers, pretty much exclusively because it's their lore. The Navajo are part of a larger cultural area that also includes the Pueblo people, Apache, Hopi, and Ute, and other groups that also have their own versions of the skinwalker. Skinwalker is exclusive to the Navajo. Each one of them includes a malevolent witch capable of transforming itself into an animal. With that being said, I do need to acknowledge first and foremost that I'm not First Nations. The Skinwalker is very much Navajo lore, which is, it's particularly taboo to even talk about the Skinwalker or even say its name. Nor do they like talking, especially with those who are outside of the Indigenous community. That being said, this is a paranormal subject that is of particular interest to us, and we want to cover it, so I'm sorry, but I've done my very best with this, as I possibly could. I also must disclose at this point that there are going to be some really good words for pronouncing in this episode. So let's move on now that I have all that out of the way. Now, I do have a a question, Chelsea. Is it just a really weird coincidence that Skinwalker sounds the way it does in English and seems to like that? I'm assuming that's the native name for it, correct? No. And that's literally my next sentence. Okay. I'm not sure actually where Skinwalker comes from. That word. So maybe they just gave it a name in English? I don't know. I That would be just speculation on my part. But they do have a word for it in Navajo. Okay, and it's not just a direct translation that no. comes to Skinwalker, no. okay? Okay, I'm about to enlighten you. Here's my next sentence. In the Navajo language, <laughs> the Yi Naldushi, which literally means with it he goes on all fours, is one of oh, several wow. varieties of Skinwalker. Specifically, they are a type of antigeni. I don't actually know how to say that, and it is some some letters that don't look like they go together. So I do apologize. I hate doing this, but I'm sorry. That word means practitioners of witchery, 
They are people who have received supernatural power by breaking a cultural taboo. Upon the initiation of the antigeni, a person is said to gain the power to become right, a Chelsea, Yenel just Bougie. how do you spell this? A with an accent, N-T apostrophe, I think that's J-J-H-N-I-I. H. Oh, okay, that's not as easy as I thought it would be. No. You, are you sure you, you didn't mean Anthony? Because my search result asked if you like to write Anthony. No, actually, now that I look at it, it is Anthony. Anthony. <laughs> kidding, kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we are such good pronunciators that it wouldn't surprise me if it was Anthony. A person is said to gain the power to become a Yi Naldushi, which is a skinwalker if I lost you. This is done via a song and dance ceremony used to curse instead of heal. So you see the evilness there. Although both men and women can become a antihygiene, men are more commonly initiated, and it can, however, be both. It's generally thought that only childless women can become witches. Not every witch is a skinwalker, but every skinwalker is a witch. In some stories, people who have attained the highest rank are called Plisiati, which means pure evil. This can be achieved by killing a close blood relative, incest, necrophilia, or other culturally taboo and evil acts. Upon completing one or more of these acts, this is said to destroy their humanity and allow them to become fully initiated into the way of witchery. Basically, it represents the antithesis of Navajo cultural values and is this person which has corrupted the natural order of things and is working for evil. That weirdly kind of aligns with what cults and gangs kind of do to separate people from their society is basically the more of the last steps are taking cultural taboos so that you're disowned by the group that you're from. So that's interesting. Mm, that makes sense, yeah. I guess it would, I mean, you see that in a lot of tales. I think we've addressed it in the past as well. For things that are outside of cultural norms, they make up different creatures and stuff like that to warn against it as well. This is a little bit different, but you do see that a lot. Well, yeah, we just kind of came off of that with the boogeyman slash mm -hmm. the uh, deals with the devils mm -hmm. because they're both talking about more so just general warnings yeah. that they want to convey to the younger generations. Yeah, so the legend of the skinwalker is not well understood outside of the Navajo culture like I kind of already addressed, both due to reluctance to discuss the subject with outsiders as well as what Cherokee Nation academic Adrian Keeney says is a lack of the necessary cultural context the stories are embedded within. Well, it's a good thing every person that I've ever heard talk about it is not Navajo. Yeah, I had I, a really, really, really hard time finding any Navajo people talking. I was able to find one which refined my notes, but I feel like I probably don't even come close to touching what this is, but I still wanted to cover it so that we can still have a little bit more of an understanding of this because I didn't even know any of this about it. Traditional Navajo are reluctant to reveal skinwalker lore to non-Navajos or to discuss it at all among those who they do not trust. Because of that, there is a definite lack of actual skinwalker encounter stories, confusion about what a skinwalker actually is, and just general lack of information on skinwalkers that isn't whitewashed. 
Keeney, founder of the website Native Appropriations, has written in response to non-Navajos incorporating the legends into their writing. This one specifically the impact when J.K. Rowling did so. She wrote something about skinwalkers. That when this is done, quote, we as Native people are now opened up to a barrage of questions about these beliefs and traditions, but these are not things that need or should be discussed by outsiders at all. I'm sorry if that seems unfair, but that's how our cultures survive. So that brings a little bit more understanding to it, and I'm saying this on a podcast where I'm talking about it. It's not lost on me, but I otherwise didn't know this. So I think that also talks a little bit about just the history behind it and stuff like that as well that I don't think a lot of people know. Well, yeah, the people that are talking about this are generally in the conspiracy world. Mm -hmm. I feel like they take some liberties with the information. Not only that, but anytime I've heard any talk about They don't give great cultural context. I've never heard that information I just gave you. So I feel like that's as important in telling the story of what I was able to find about skinwalkers, whether it's correct or not in Navajo legends, which it probably isn't. But that is just as important to go along with yeah the well, other stuff i'm gonna tell you it's especially great if you don't want somebody challenging your narrative on your answer to something and like if you're talking about skinwalkers the people who actually know about it aren't gonna call you out on it or say this is wrong but because they don't true. want to talk about that's it that's true yeah so let's talk now that i got kind of through that stuff let's let's talk about skinwalkers they shapeshift into an animal at will that they have killed and skinned, marked with designs, put it through another ritual to be able to be worn to shapeshift into, and they transform by wearing that pelt. The skin may just be a mask of the animal, which is the only garment worn in the initiation ritual. And some Navajos describe the skinwalker as a perfect version of the animal in question. So it has perfect fur, it has perfect coloring, everything about it is perfect. There's no errors in its making. Oh good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are most frequently seen as a coyote, a wolf, a fox, eagle, owl, or a crow. The Yi Naldushi is said to have the power to assume the form of any animal they choose, a decision based on what specific abilities are needed for them at that specific moment. But so for example they have to have killed it and pelted it. Yes. Then. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Which will be relevant to something I say soon, hopefully. Okay. So for example, a skinwalker may use a crow to, if they need to travel really fast in pursuit of something or to escape or otherwise. Some of these animals are also mostly associated with witchcraft as well, which would be like the trickster coyote for one, the crow, an owl. And the ravens, yeah. Yeah. They're also associated with death or bad omens. So do they have to skin the bird? Uh, Maybe, I don't think birds work like that because they have Yeah, that's my worry. Would the feathers stay on it? That's the hard part. I'm trying to figure this out. I also, I'm a little bit curious if they could skin a human. I I mean, yeah, you could. We've all seen... Okay. Now, what about creatures that don't necessarily skin? Like, can you skin, like, a spider? No, because... And I talk about this. Let's just talk about it now. You can't, like, they're not going to be able to shapeshift into a spider because, like, logically that just doesn't make sense, a human becoming a spider. Okay. 
That's the ridiculous part. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just logical. Okay, but like arachnid size. No, like you couldn't. No. Okay, it's just not logical. No, it's not gotcha. lot. It's too tiny. I mean, a bird. What about a maybe? turtle? <laughs> what about a turtle? Really... No, too small. Maybe because a turtle would be the size. No, of turtles it. can be huge. But yeah, like, you don't really. Skin you can't it. skin it. You just like steal its shell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So blah blah blah. Bad omens. It, and and just sorry, a little bit more along this line of reasoning, I'd like to discuss. Yeah. They're just located here, right? So there hasn't been like a, a rise in the last 50 years or so of no. travel for the purpose of gaining like exotic powers for skinwalkers. No. All your... Like going to Africa and getting some lion no. skin. So all your questions, I promise you are going to be answered. Okay. Just be patient and sink ships or however that saying goes. I'll, I'll save my ship sinking <laughs> for the end, I think. I think that's how that yeah. works. These are also animals that are seen in the Navajo Nation. So they're not going to really shapeshift into like a zebra or something or a mouse. It's not an appropriate size. Just doesn't make sense. So skinwalkers are specific to Navajo territory. And how I heard talk about it, the skinwalker and Navajos gain power from the Navajo surroundings. The hills, the mountains, the landscape. And the animals. With yeah, them, yeah, where I've heard it talked about, it's not impossible that they could travel and spend time in the landscape somewhere else and be able to gain power from a different location once they're familiar with the territory. But it's highly unlikely that they're going to gain the same type of power that the skinwalkers do in their traditional territory. So when we talk about this, you're not likely to see skinwalkers anywhere else other than the Navajo territory. If you're seeing something else similar to this, you're seeing something else. Some Navajo also believe that skinwalkers have the ability to steal the face of a person. They're commonly believed to be the color white while in animal form. This is how many distinguish a skinwalker in animal form from a regular animal. The Navajo believe that if you ever lock eyes with the skinwalker, they can absorb themselves into your body. Locking eyes aside, it is said that the skinwalker can possess a living animal or people and walk around in their bodies. Alternatively, some Navajos believe that if you make eye contact with a skinwalker, your body will freeze up with fear and the skinwalker will use that fear to gain power and energy. That's something that you see with a lot of paranormal things, that they thrive on fear, which is definitely a huge component to the skinwalker. To say skinwalker out loud will attract them to you as if you've been marked. To say their name aloud is to oh, invite good. them to yourself. So basically, I'm feeling a little nervous. However, I feel... But that only applies in Navajo I know, territory. I feel right? like I'm far enough away yeah. from Arizona and New Mexico that they didn't hear me just say that. Unless they're in some animal form that can hear me from there. Some say that skinwalkers can have the power to read humans' thoughts. They also possess the ability to make any human or animal noise they choose regardless of their current form. A skinwalker may use the voice of a relative or the cry of an infant to lure victims out of the safety of their homes, since a skinwalker cannot enter an inhabited home without invitation, similar to vampires. A skinwalker can be heard calling your name in the same kind of fashion where you hear your mom call you from outside. It will call your name 
from the trees, from outside your house, just to get you outside of safety. A skinwalker will also use a dog whistle or bone whistle to stop dogs from barking so they can sneak up close to your home and use powders and perform ceremonies to put your dogs and protectors to sleep. It is also said that if you're driving at night through a Navajo reservation, they will run along your car and knock on your window. If you look at them or acknowledge them, they will curse and or kill you. And they gain power from killing, obviously, because it's evil. And or kill and you? Or. So they might curse you and then yeah. kill you? I mean, it seems like a waste. Well, that's just me. Yeah, it, se- yeah. it seems like a waste to kill you at that point. But, I mean, maybe they're cursing your soul. And then you take that with you after you're dead, which is way more worse. Yeah. Let's sit with that for a moment. Skinwalkers use spells and charms to instill fear and control their victims. Fear is the best weapon they have. Skinwalkers use natural-based elements as weapons. They're grave robbers. They dig up bodies and use the bones as knives, darts, whistles. They grind up bones to make a powder, which they would use to paralyze you and blow the powder into your face to curse and kill you. They'll use decaying flesh as a poison to inflict sickness. Skinwalkers have been known to find traces of their victim's hair, wrap it around a pot shard, and place it into a tarantula hole. I'm not sure what that does, but they do do that. It sounds bad. It does sound really bad. A skinwalker can use anything of personal belonging and use it in ceremonial rituals against the person they are doing evil against. Even live rattlesnakes are known to be used as charms by the skinwalker. And kind of like I was saying earlier, they're super fast. So there's reports of people driving 100 plus kilometers an hour in the middle of the night and skinwalkers have been spotted running with the vehicle. Not to be confused with the skinwalker, some medicine men are said to be in tune with the flow of nature so that they would often take the form of a sacred totem animal. Totem animals are kind, gentle animals that have grown on humans so much that they acquire a sacredness and are honored with dances, music, and artwork. Medicine men practice healing, blessings, and the removal of curses, whereas a skinwalker seeks to harm humans, lay curses, and practice evil whenever possible. So, huge difference between the two. Distinct difference between medicine men and community healers. They're positive. Witches are seen as evil, performing harmful ceremonies and manipulative magic in a perversion of the good works medicine people traditionally perform. In order to practice their good works, traditional healers may learn about both good and evil magic in order to protect against evil. But people who choose to become witches are seen as corrupt. Well, sightings you ask? Of course. I was able to find a few. However, In putting this together, I did notice a few things in my long search. This took me a while. Number one, indigenous people will usually not comment on this. Number two, I found a lot of encounters that were not skinwalkers, according to what I just told you, and were probably more leaning towards a crawler. Crawlers being, we talked about it on one of the Halloween episodes, crawlers being mimics who are lanky and all fours and up on hind legs, super creepy kind of things. Yeah, emaciated white people. Yeah, 
like, sorry, and I shouldn't say white people, very, very albino-colored. So they're totally different things, and that just goes to show that a lot of people don't understand what a skinwalker is. Others would be a wendigo. People spot wendigos and think that it's a skinwalker. That being the body of a man and the head of a... A wendigo is a person who has succumbed to cannibalism. Yeah, I think it's kind of similar, but it has antlers or the head of a moose or something. It depends on which native culture you're going with, because they all kind of have their own Wendigo. Okay, we'll have to cover Wendigo in the future. And so on. So remember, skinwalkers disguise as animals. And usually you can't tell the difference except that it's acting a little bit weird. Like it's up on its hind legs. <laughs> That's more than a little bit weird. I mean, depending on the creature. It, true. I mean, the coyote, I'd be a little creeped out if it was just like walking around on two legs. Yeah. It could be... But bears do that. They look That's creepy, true. but they do And they it. look like they're humans in costumes. That's so they're butt yeah. <laughs> Or it's, you know, a coyote that is staring at you in this super creepy way they're acting outside of a way that's normal for the animal it's almost like it doesn't know how to be that animal but it's that animal skinwalkers and similar inhabit the area of the navajo and other tribes within that tribe so new mexico utah arizona this is their legend and is specifically an evil witch of that tribe So while sightings elsewhere can fit, like I said, it's more likely to be another creature than a skinwalker. You're not really going to have a skinwalker encounter outside of that area. The skinwalker is very misunderstood, I find, after reading all this. And before this, I misunderstood it as well. It might be sad about that. Maybe that's its problem. Yes, the misunderstood creature. So first sighting is from Navajo underscore Joe on Reddit 11 years ago. So you know this is legit. You really should have just gone with Navajo Joe. Yeah. (laughs) Someone commented that. (laughs) Oh, good. I think it was taken. Was it me 11 years ago? (laughs) (laughs) We will never know. Let's listen to the encounter. Quote, this is Navajo Joe talking now. I was a kid when this happened. My uncle and I were finishing up chopping and gathering firewood for my grandmother because it was getting dark. Driving back on a dirt road at about 30 miles per hour, give or take 5 miles per hour. And that could literally be any amount of kilometers per hour because I have no idea what that means in my language. I had this awful sense of being watched. Before I could turn to look out my window, passenger side window, my uncle quickly shouted, don't. I completely froze. My heart felt like it was beating out of my chest, then completely stopped when I heard tap tap on my window. My uncle sped up and was loudly praying in my native language. I didn't know what was going on and I thought it was over until our truck suddenly dipped from the bed, which is the back of the truck. My uncle then started saying, Look at me and don't turn away over and over. Then I heard it again. Tap, tap, but from the window behind me. It was getting harder for me to breathe and I wanted to cry. A minute or two passed and the truck dipped again. My uncle looked around inside. It was quiet besides the truck and the road. He looked at me and said, We will ask your father to do a prayer in the morning so that the evil will forget our faces. 
That's the Navajo to English equivalent translation. I remember curling up on the seat and just staring at the radio watching the time, listening to my uncle sing an old prayer till we got to my grandmother's house. That's the end of that one. Okay. This one, I'm not sure where it came from, but I'll read it. Grandpa owned a large herd of sheep, which during the summer grazed in the mountains in central Utah. In the 1960s, his sheep herder was a small Mexican man. We'll call him Juan. Juan stayed in a very small trailer in a meadow while tending the sheep. One evening, Grandpa drives his truck up the mountain to deliver some food and supplies to Juan. As he nears Juan's camp, he starts seeing dead sheep all over the ground. Many of the sheep were thrashed into pieces as he arrives at Juan's trailer. He finds the door shut. He has to kick open the door to get inside as Juan has locked it. Inside, Juan is curled up into a ball, mumbling incoherently and likely in shock. Grandpa picks up Juan, throws him into the truck, and takes off down the mountain to get Juan to a doctor. As he is flying down the twisty dirt road, Grandpa gets this terrible feeling like he's being watched and sees something out of the corner of his eye. By the time the sun is setting and the light isn't very good, he turns to look out the passenger side window and sees a creature he describes as looking like an inside-out deer. Holy crap, that is fucking terrifying. That would be terrifying. Running alongside the truck. Oh, Jesus. The creature dropped back out of sight only to come bounding back even faster, running on his hind legs only. Oh my god, this just gives me the creeps. The creature then ran across the road right in front of the truck. Grandpa swerves to miss it and ends up rolling the truck down the mountainside. Juan is killed in the accident and Grandpa spends more than a month in the hospital. It's possible that Grandpa's playing with us, but that really wasn't his style. He was an old cowboy and swore that was the truth. He prodded up when we were making fun of chupacabras. He believed that it was some sort of chupacabra-like animal he saw. Okay, and I'm reading this in Skinwalker, but holy crap, that is creepy. Yeah. Also, I feel like he would have some sort of proof that he was in the hospital for a month because he rolled a car and somebody died. Yeah. Um, I think it's more the story of why... Yeah. Of why he crashed the car. I feel like if I was to make up a story about why I crashed a car, I wouldn't make up a story to tell my grandkids of like an inside out deer running next to the car. Full speed on two feet. Yeah, I mean, that is elaborate. That's not something you just make up out of your imagination. So get this, I was just driving (laughs) along and then out of nowhere. So next one. And what is the tale about skinwalkers without a tale out of the infamous skinwalker ranch? You knew there had to be some skinwalkers in that book. One night, Terry Sherman, who owned the ranch, heard a noise outside and he was startled to see a wolf in his yard. One much larger than any he had ever seen. Terry grabbed his gun from inside and shot the wolf several times, but his bullets appeared to do no damage whatsoever. Although the wolf did take off eventually, its tracks disappeared entirely as Terry chased it, as if it had simply vanished into thin air. Another similar encounter, Terry and Gwen Sherman were startled by the sight of a fearsome animal, perhaps a wolf or coyote, stalking towards their livestock pen when it grabbed a calf in its jaws. Terry fired at it with the handgun and then a rifle. Despite being hit, the creature didn't seem hurt and simply wandered away into the bushes. It had a foul stench like rotting flesh and it stayed with them. They can remember the smell really well. And if memory serves correctly, I also believe that one of the first encounters they had at the ranch yeah, it was with the wolf. when they moved was yeah. the wolf that came right up to them and it seemed 
really tame. It didn't. It seemed tame. Yeah, it yeah. just came right off. I believe they pet it until it attacked a cow. Yeah. Yeah, and which was way later, but I think they yeah. pet it actually when it came up to them, and they remember it being a huge wolf. If memory serves correctly, I didn't pull that one. Yeah, just to give a bit of context to that as well, that's a very small part of the book. The yes. entire Skinwalker Ranch is mostly not Skinwalker related. Yes, thank you for pointing. It's got that. a glimmer person. It yeah. got UFOs. It's got Bigfoot. It's got, it's got everything. Floating RVs. Yeah. Yeah. It's got like portals. Portals. <laughs> yeah. That's funny you said that at the same time. Another story from the book relays an account from a New Mexico Highway Patrol officer. And he states that while patrolling the highways of New Mexico, he saw a skinwalker on two separate occasions. In his first encounter, a creature wearing a white mask appeared next to his window, seemingly attaching itself to the car door. But then he realized it was simply running beside the vehicle, keeping pace at highway speed. Could you imagine having that sighting and being like, oh, look at that guy with a mask. Oh shit, I'm driving at like 100 kilometers an hour. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Why is that guy just standing there? No, he's moving. Hey, I'm moving. I'm driving. Yeah, I'm driving. I should pay attention. The way that's it's a good thing weird. the cops aren't pulling me over. Okay. I just picture him with like an iPhone in his hand, like scrolling. A few days later, and around the same area, he encountered the creature again. What makes this tale even more intriguing is that at least one other officer claimed to have seen the same ghoulish being while patrolling the area. Of course, like Taylor said, there is much more than this going on in the ranch and in the book. And just a side note, as I was looking into this, since there's less secrecy now about where Skinwalker Ranch is locating, you can Google the exact location of Skinwalker Ranch now. And literally on the same plot of land, and there's the road in front, Skinwalker Ranch, on the opposite side, on the road behind, is a campground. <laughs> I wonder if it was there before all the, like, stories came out. I don't know, it. but it also comes up as, like, one of the most haunted campgrounds but in the United States. Also, yeah, I was pretty sure that we knew the location of it just because it was for sale not that long ago. Yeah. It, historically, it's in Utah in the Uinta Basin, and it was owned by Robert Bigelow for a long time, yeah. who we did an episode on. I believe he sold it probably three or four years ago. And I think there's still a group that's doing research that owns it, but it's not Robert Bigelow. Yeah, and when the book was out anyway, they didn't want to disclose the location of where it was. So maybe it was around the time they put it up for sale that they figured it out. But yeah, not a secret anymore. So if you want an experience, go to the campground. I'm not going, especially after talking about this because I'm marked now. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. They know you said those words. Yeah. I can never go to Utah again. <laughs> this one's from Redditor Neptune420. My father owns a small delivery service that operates out of Farmington, New Mexico. He mostly delivers small packages out to the middle of nowhere that are too much of a hassle for the larger delivery companies to bother with. My dad is the only employee and we have a few pickup trucks and a trailer. One day, we get a delivery out to Window Rock, Arizona, on the Navajo Reservation about two hours from Farmington. My dad gets the call for the job while he's chilling with his Navajo friend Travis and his girlfriend. Travis mentions how he's got family in Window Rock that he hasn't seen in ages and suggests they go with him. 
I was about six or seven at the time and it was summertime so dad decides we'll all go down together. He can do his delivery really quick then while Travis sees his family we can go check out the window rock. Which is a rock. Famous rock. Looks like a window or can you see through it? Uh, yes. Big rock face with a large hole in it that goes to the other side. Pretty cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's exactly as it sounds. We had to convoy in separate trucks since my dad's was loaded down with freight. We decided to bring along some walkie-talkies, she calls them talkie-talkies, so we could communicate with one another. We spend our time in Window Rock. Everything is generally uneventful and we start heading home to the old highway with my dad and I in front and Travis and his girlfriend in their truck behind us. I honestly don't remember most of the Window Rock trip, but this part I can never forget. We are somewhere on the highway between Window Rock and Gallup, New Mexico. It had just rained earlier in the day and the road was kind of slick, so we were taking it pretty slow. On the left of the highway, there is nothing but sandstone cliffs, and to the right, there is a huge field separated from the road by a small barbed wire fence. We crest the top of this hill, and down at the bottom of the hill, we see what appears to be a very large dog sitting back on its haunches in the middle of the road facing the cliffs. My dad calls over the radio, Hey Trav, do you see that big ass dog? Travis starts yelling back over the radio, That is not a dog. Speed up right now and hit it. He sounds almost hysterical. He just screams, Hit it. You have to hit it. Please, please hit that fucking thing right now. This is not on the road, right? I I thought it was in the center of the road. Oh, it was in the middle of the road. Okay. I was just reading. I wasn't actually, you know, processing what I was reading. So my dad starts to speed up and as we get a bit... Would you question that? When someone's like, just hit the dog! Hit the dog! I'd be like, are you insane? Don't worry about it. You need to. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you hit the dog. Take past me. (laughs) I'm not gonna hit the dog. Okay, so my dad starts to speed up, and so he's just taking his word for it that he needs to hit the dog. So he speeds up, and as they get a bit closer, I can begin to see it a little more clearly. It's covered in this brown, wiry, matted hair that appears to have dried blood all over it. It's still facing the cliffs, but the moment our headlights hit it, it turns and looks at us, and it had a face. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm assuming it's human face. Because everything does have a face. (laughs) Well, not everything, but yeah. But most living things have faces. I don't know how else to describe it other than a mix between a bear's and a human's face. There we go. We got answers. We just had to be patient. It looks twisted and distorted and almost in pain. As we get closer to this thing, we start to realize it's actually fucking huge. Well, they said big ass dog. I assume that means huge. Though it was still sitting on its haunches, it is about shoulder height with the hood of the truck. We get literally inches from hitting it when it lets out a scream that sounds like someone screaming as their lungs were filling up with water, and it leaps backwards towards the field, landing just on our side of the barbed wire fence. Then with another leap, it was gone from sight. Travis comes over the radio again. Holy shit, keep driving. We have to get out of here. We have to go faster. He kept repeating that last part. We have to get out of here. We have to go faster. Pretty soon, we are speeding like crazy, and just as we start to come near the outskirts of Gallup, we get pulled over. Travis pulls his truck over with us. Naturally, this makes a cop, a Navajo man himself, very on edge and immediately asks why Travis felt the need to pull over as well. Travis says, we just saw a skinwalker a few miles back and it's been following us. The officer immediately turns white, stammers something about verbal warnings, Gets in his car and takes off. We do the same. We didn't see anything else that night, but when we got home, Travis refused to let us leave without taking some kind of Navajo totem thing that was supposed to keep it away. 
That's another thing. I didn't put it in here, but that's another thing that once it kind of sees you. It's got a mind for faces, right? Where it's kind of like, you know, those people who they'll remember meeting you. They don't know your name. <laughs> yeah. They've just got, yeah. <laughs> they'll those people. Spend forever those people are skinwalkers. Searching for your face. This one is from, I love Reddit names, Redditor Iron underscore Jesus. Anybody that has been on the Navajo reservation has either probably heard of some creepy things or it has experienced pretty creepy things, namely skinwalkers. I have only seen one. Here is my story. I come from a small town in northern Arizona that's sandwiched between the Paiute Reservation to the north and the U.S.'s largest Navajo Reservation to the south. My high school being so small, a 1A high school that has on average 80 students enrolled every year, always had to travel south about 5 to 10 hours one way to play another high school in any sport. I mean, uh, why would they do that? That's a lot of travel. This means that we traveled a lot on the Navajo Res, and we usually stayed at hotels when we would head out to play and come home in the morning, but this trip was a little bit different. I remember the basketball coach saying that the school didn't have enough money to put up the teams in a hotel that trip, so we were going to be on the road for a total of about 12 hours. I was the only male senior to play basketball that season. Why is he traveling then? Like, that's a. He's the only basketball yeah. player. <laughs> and he's traveling <laughs> to play other teams. We had just got done playing our game and headed home on our bus. This doesn't even make sense. Big Blue, which is their bus. We were headed out and it wasn't long, about two hours of driving before we had entered the res. By this time, everyone was asleep with it being about two in the morning. When we had crossed the res's border, I noticed the bus driver had sped up and was now going about 85 miles per hour. I thought this was a little weird because he never exceeded the speed limit, at least not in my high school career. For some reason, I couldn't fall asleep like the rest of my teammates, and I just sat at the back of the bus staring out across the desolate desert landscape that was lit up by a full moon. That's never good. As I looked out, I could see a figure running towards the bus at an angle of pursuit and keeping up with the bus at 85 miles per hour. As the figure got closer, I saw that it was a humanoid form. As a matter of fact, it looked exactly like a human, only the face was painted half black and half white with glowing eyes. Glowing eyes like a rabbit's eyes reflecting light from a spotlight. I immediately thought, holy crap, it's a skinwalker. The skinwalker ran up to the edge of the road and just kept up pace with the bus, hurtling sagebrush and rocks while staring at me. After I made eye contact with the thing, I could not look away. It was as if something was holding my head and eyes in place. The skinwalker just smiled at me, this inhumane smile that went ear to ear showing crooked yellow pointed teeth. I felt like I was going to throw up and I was panicking through the whole ordeal. The skinwalker started to crumple down onto all fours, still keeping up with the bus. I could see his bones crack and reform. Hair started appearing all over the skinwalker's body and in about three seconds was now a coyote and it ran off back into the desert out of view. As soon as it was gone, I ran to the onboard bathroom and puke a mixture of food and blood. That's a nice detail. I didn't want to tell anyone for fear they would think I was crazy. I confided in my Navajo friend. She told me that I needed to see the chief, who also happened to be a friend of mine, and get a blessing. I saw him the next school day in the parking lot. He just came up to me and mumbled something in Navajo and waving a feather scepter-like thing. Turned around, got in his truck, and drove away. To this day, I haven't seen another skinwalker. I he got scammed. <laughs> it might be due to the fact I moved away from the town and the rest. And if I do have to go around, I go way around. Comment? I just, I want to make sure that I understand the story. Uh -huh. So it's the middle of the night. 
and this guy comes running up 85 miles an hour, yeah. looks in the window, yeah. smiles, turns into a coyote and runs away. Yeah. Okay. Like just booking him. Poking it and then looks at that guy and smiles. Yeah, and yeah. no, you got it. And he was the basketball okay. team, so I assume he was the only one on the bus. <laughs> After I'm, what Except I'm assuming driver. was a huge loss <laughs> to another basketball team. I basically just skim these stories to make sure they fit, because I also like to be involved in hearing it for the first time. Yeah, it's not fair that the reader doesn't <laughs> get that experience. I skim. I, I agree skim, with that okay? I make sure that it fits, and this one fit, basically, as far as yeah. skimming goes. I, I'm really worried that the chief isn't taking his role seriously, though. Like, it seems like that kid got scammed. Oh yeah. Like school I've, parking I've lot never feather heard and of left. a feather scepter. I can only imagine what that is like. Okay, this one's from redditor and Dulos. I was told this story once. My dad isn't a bullshitter or a liar, so I know this story is true. I'm going to assume it's his dad's story, and he's not just telling us that his dad is not a bullshitter. Here, his story continues. It was the very early 80s, and my sister who lived in Toronto came down to visit our parents for a weekend. She was staying at a friend's house who loaned her car so she could come out. After her visit, she left a little after 9pm. She got maybe 7-8 to eight miles away when the car broke down. Thankfully, she broke down in front of a friend of the family's house. They let her in to call dad and dad came to get her. The family said she could leave the car in the driveway for the night and my sister decided to just stay at my parents for the night. It was now a little after 10pm and pitch black in late November. While my sister and dad are driving back to the house and they pass through a heavily wooded area. Out of nowhere, they hear an incredibly fucking loud, inhumane scream that was heard over the engine, them talking, and the radio. Dad slammed on the brakes and they both started freaking out when suddenly a six-foot-tall coyote walking on two legs with a black-and-white striped tail appeared on the side of the road and proceeded to walk in front of the car. As soon as it passed, that same scream played again, only this time ten times louder. Dad slammed on the accelerator and they got the fuck out of there. It was never seen again. That's the end of the story. And to end with, I particularly liked a comment of a Redditor on one of the sightings that didn't make it to my list, mostly because I don't believe it fit as a skinwalker. Ruther Dare commented, quote, Best advice from an Indigenous person. Don't yell at them next time. Obviously, this person was yelling something at this creature that it spotted. Stay quiet, stay still, and if you hear your name, no you didn't. If you hear someone calling for help, no you didn't. Oh, and don't whistle at night. He continues on about the whistling. I was told they will whistle back and whistling lets them know exactly where you are and which way you're going. And end quote by them. And I think that's just generally good information to have when dealing with any cryptid. In just life, don't help people. Yeah, don't whistle. Definitely don't fucking whistle. Don't whistle, whistle don't help. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> says your name, they didn't. No, just keep walking. This is good life advice. Yeah, great life advice. So that's it. That's the Ginwalker, the Yi Naldushi. Any comments? I'm just curious, Chelsea, if they were to open a zoo in Navajo territory, yes. could the skinwalker take those animals? I guess theoretically they could, because so long as they're there, but you also see it attributed to non 
totem. Like, like they not wouldn't be natural animals. to the environment, too. Yeah. That it seems like they take their power from things that are within the environment. So yeah, I mean, theoretically, they could definitely. In one that I did listen to, he was Navajo. His name is Shansian Shadow Productions on YouTube. He talked about skinwalkers. He's Navajo. He said theoretically they could shapeshift into something else. Like I said earlier, if they say went and were able to acclimatize to a different landscape and gain power from that particular landscape. So I'm thinking, yes, technically they could. Okay. Would they want to? I don't know. Yeah, they seem too traditional. Yeah. Okay, and my second question, which is a little more realistic, okay. but likely has an equally vague of an answer. So, like, borders are arbitrary. We've put them there. Yeah. Just for reasons that aren't cultural in nature for the people who particularly inhabited the region before we got there. Yeah. So are there stories south of the border into Mexico? Because that would also, I believe the Navajo would go into Mexico. I don't believe they do. Okay. From... But they, they would culturally be close to whatever would be below them too. Because like you, we said, like the Apache and whatnot yeah. uh, and the Hopi have similar stories. Yeah. But I know, I understand it also be very hard to know much about it. That's the Chihuahua regions right below yeah. New Mexico. Yeah. So. I mean, every indigenous, as far as I understand, is going to have their own sort of creature. I believe the Wendigo is more of a Canadian. Yes, because it has to do more with starvation and winter. Yes. Like, that's the big thing so, about the Wendigo. I don't know where the line draws, because obviously those indigenous don't have the same legend of the skinwalker. So obviously there is some sort of separation. And the Navajo, likewise, don't have the Wendigo type creature. They have this, though it's not like an equivalent. I wouldn't call it an equivalent. It does extend a little bit more. So the Pueblo people, Apache, Hopi, and Ute. I don't know enough about where their their lands. Well, yeah, but it, it seems to go all from Utah, at least. Yeah. All the way down to New Mexico and Arizona. Yeah. I don't think it just stopped at that border is what I'm trying to get at. So I would be curious to see kind of what their interpretation is and on the Mexican side. I don't know. And like I said, it's like the Wendigo. So I'm sure there there are other yeah. types of legends that go along. Every culture has their own kind of things that go along with legends, right? So where yeah. that border lies, no idea. I, I'm assuming it wouldn't be a land border. It would be more of a cultural border. Yeah, you, you wouldn't find the line on the map. Yeah. I think is what you mean. Well, we we yeah. could maybe, but as far as we could, where they're willing to venture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even so, they can leave from there. But it does draw power from the land, so you would think there might be some sort of physical border as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was Just much... an interesting thing to think about, I yeah. think. No, that, I, no I didn't there's no an answer. answer. Don't worry. <laughs> it was philosophical in nature, for it was inside our hearts. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And and with our hearts speaking like that, I think that's a good place to end it. Chelsea, that was a fun episode. Okay, good. Is there anything you wanted to end with? No. Okay. Well, I have been Taylor here with Chelsea. We are Journey to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what 
venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Yeah.